News Network. When the government is corrupt to its core and corporate society demands compliance and censors facts, the people need someone to bring them to their feet, to take back their power, to take back the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That someone is you. And here with your inspiration is Dan Newman. Yep, that's right. It's all about you folks. If you're not engaged, there's no reason for anyone here at Truth News Network, TNN Live, or anyone else for that matter in your world. If you don't want to get involved in this, why should anybody else? Well, what a way to start the show, huh? Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live, our Tuesday edition, first Tuesday of a brand new year, 2022. Can you believe it's already here? Boy, let me just say this. Yesterday, our show was blockbuster. We had hundreds of thousands of people that were listening in yesterday. And I think maybe there are some folks that made a commitment. Hey, starting the new year, we're going to dig into this. We're going to try to erase all of the incorrect information that we've been digesting from mainstream media. And we're going to look for the truth. Diligently look for the truth. So let me remind you in that vein... There's a big day coming up this week, Thursday. Well, what is Thursday? January 6th. Does that ring a bell? January 6th? Well, one year ago, that's when those horrible people, those Trumpsters, stormed the U.S. Capitol. Remember all of that and the chaos that ensued? And here we are almost 365 days later. Do you realize there are a bunch of people, not just one or two, but dozens of people that the FBI investigated, grabbed, arrested, and threw them in jail in Washington, D.C. Many have not even formally been charged with any illegal uh, illegal activity that day, but they're not allowed to speak to their uh, attorneys. They're, many of them are in, uh, they're sequestered. They're not allowed to go out and see the sunshine more than an hour a day. Showers, hardly ever. I mean, this doesn't sound like the United States of America. Certainly doesn't sound like uh, what should happen in our capital, Washington, D.C. But it is. Think about being stuck in solitary confinement when all you did, all you wanted to do, all you were in Washington, D.C. to do on January 6, 2021 was to go protest. You know that First Amendment constitutional right that we all have, only to find yourself and your family in a conundrum of not of your own making, not of your own doing, but at the hands of a government that is every day finding new ways to dig deeper, get greater holds in the lives of the lives of every American. That's where we live right now, folks. It's sad to say, but it's something that we must face. It's a fact. We've got to face it. Our government is very stealthily, but very progressively. They're not letting up, reaching deeper and deeper in the lives of every American. What are they about? Giving themselves more power. Giving themselves greater leeway to make all the decisions, the important decisions in our lives that constitutionally were solely relegated from the beginning 
to the people of the United States, not the government, the people. So we have a lot of things to get in here today. There's a lot of information out there, and once again, there's a lot of misinformation out there. We're going to weigh in all of that. But I'm pretty excited to tell you something's coming up for a big, big, big show here on Thursday, January 6th day. A guy named Steve Baker, you may have heard of the name, and uh, you may see him before our show on Tucker Carlson. They are scheduling an appearance. I'm not sure if they're going to do it on the Fox Tucker Carlson live show every night or if they're going to do it on uh, uh, the streaming online service that Fox has. It's going to be one of those two things. He may be with Tucker before he gets here on Thursday. But let me tell you who Steve Baker is. And you need to listen closely to this. We'll probably have an hour plus with him. He was at and a part of what happened a year ago, January 6th. Steve is actually from here, my town. He's a journalist. He has his own website. He's a very conservative guy. And in that capacity, and he's also a great photographer, he went to D.C. to chronicle all the stuff that was going on. That day, he was actually on Fox News. I saw him a couple of different times. But guess what happened to him? And this probably won't surprise you. He became a target of the FBI. And he is in back and forth right now conversations with the Department of Justice. They've not formally charged him with anything. I met with Steve. We had coffee together. Spent a couple hours together shortly after uh, the January 6th incident occurred. And he kind of gave me the layout of exactly what went on. Answered a bunch of questions. Well, he's going to be here for us to listen to and ask some um, salient questions. We're going to get some answers. Spread the word. You don't want to miss this show, and you don't want your friends to miss the show. Steve Baker on TNN Live Thursday morning at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Central. Between now and then, we have a lot of things, a lot of things that we've got to get broken open and dug into getting all those details. I guess you've heard about the big storm up in the Northeast. I mean, it's not just a storm, folks. Folks up there in the northern Northeast, especially part of the country, they're very familiar with big snowstorms, and it is January after all. But nobody was expecting this. Hundreds of drivers have been stranded on the I-95 in Northern Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., for hours, hours. They've been there, many of them, overnight. Can't move, can't get out of their cars. Nobody can get to them to help them. That area has been slammed with the first major snowstorm of the season, and it prompted some people to turn off their engines or even abandon their vehicles to look for shelter. Some callers were sobbing and scared. That's David Dildine, a traffic reporter for station WTOP in Northern Virginia. Psychologically, it's really distressing to be motionless on a highway for hours on end without knowing how much longer you're going to be stuck. Well, snow spotters from the National Weather Service reported accumulations of 11 and a half inches in the D.C. suburb of Capitol Heights, Maryland. 10 inches in Rose Hill, Virginia, by the time the star storm wound down late yesterday. 
Temperatures in the teens forecast for overnight. And because of that, Virginia State Police warned that any snow that melted during the day is going to freeze, causing even worse icy and dangerous road conditions. Reports said that of 5 a.m. Eastern time this morning, the southbound lanes of I-95 near mile marker 136 remained at a standstill. Emily Clementson, a truck driver, said this, I've never seen anything like it. The Virginia Department of Transportation tweeted the stranded drivers late yesterday and assured them work was being done to get them moving again. Just imagine you're stuck in a car, your car, on any interstate, but it's snowing so hard, it's so nice you can't see, it's icy, you don't want to take the chances, and people are pulling over to the side, and they're waiting for help. I mean, isn't that what government's supposed to do? Help us? (laughs) I don't think they're getting that from uh, the state of Virginia, and it seems like the Governor Northrum um, may have a problem right now. It is stressful out there with all this weather. Right, and I just wanted to, and you've been covering this, but the winter weather, it's not just in the airports that people are getting stranded. It's on I-95. Take a look at these pictures. There are drivers on I-95 in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., that have been stranded for 15 hours, more than 15 hours. These are live, uh, these live pictures that we're seeing right now, these are live pictures in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Anybody who's been up and down this corridor knows that area of I-95 is a nightmare anytime. But these are people who are running. There were multiple crashes due to icy, snowy conditions. People are running out of gas. They've been just stuck right there for more than 12 hours, 15 hours. Virginia State Police receiving about 2,000 calls there. Um, There are reports this morning that drivers, again, are running out of gasoline, food, and water in these frigid conditions. And I ask this question, where is Governor Ralph Northam? He's still the governor for uh, about less, less than 10 days. Get on it. This is disgraceful. Disgraceful behavior for a disgraceful governor. Leadership, it's all about leadership. And when you elect anybody to be the governor of a state, don't you expect whoever you elect to take care of things like this? I mean, we're talking about Northern Virginia. A lot of snow is not a, you know, an abnormal thing to happen up there. You would think that um, government officials would have anticipated and would have taken measures necessary to make sure it didn't get out of hands like it has. Nearly 400,000 households in Virginia alone have lost power. They're out of power. Another 152,000 in North Carolina, more than 200,000 across Maryland, Georgia, and South Carolina even. We're also without juice. As of midday yesterday, more than half a foot of snow was dumped on Alabama Tennessee, West Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, North Carolina. That's not just a little snowstorm. The highest total was 11 inches reported in Swiss, North Carolina, which is about 28 miles northeast of Asheville. This storm front moved into the area after a warm holiday season. It was pretty unseasonably comfortable in most of the U.S. over the weekend. 
And that sent temperatures plunging, adding high winds in some of the areas that saw snowfall. Of course, the weather, the snow, has prompted closures, including federal offices in D.C., multiple school systems, which were already dealing with staffing problems. Americans weighing whether to drive or not were warned about slippery roads combined with low visibility as well as downed trees and power lines. And as you can imagine, they started experiencing crashes on the road, began building up as the day wore on, Virginia State Police responded to 82 of them yesterday by 8 o'clock in the morning. The cops said most were caused by folks going too fast for the weather conditions and urged people to stay off the roads unless they had to travel. Forecasters predicted much of the snow would taper off in the early afternoon, though some warnings and watches were still in effect through the evening hours. Officials in D.C., New Jersey, and elsewhere issued a bunch of emergency declarations to try to help assist in response in the cleanup efforts. Biden himself, he was out in the weather. He flew from his Delaware home to the White House in the morning after foregoing what would have been a simple ride on January 2nd. Biden landed in Maryland about 11 in the morning. His motorcade delivered him to the White House. took about an hour to get there. On the other side of the country, snow there as well. Accumulations of two feet were forecast for Northern California, parts of Oregon and Washington State. Blizzard conditions with hardly any visibility were possible in some of those areas. People were warned that travel could be very difficult to impossible. You know... They changed the name of what they were going after regarding all things climate about 20 years ago. It used to be global warming. This particular storm and storms like it are probably the big reasons why they decided we can't sell that global warming thing anymore to the American people. So somebody, some genius came up with the term climate change. So I guess they could use this as an example of climate change. Look, this was unexpected weather. We can't control things like this. And it's because we're destroying our environment. We're just doing crazy things. And, you know, all of these gas emissions, carbon energy, all that kind of stuff is leading to, well, it gets hotter in the summer and it gets colder in the winter. And we've got to stop it. Just more fuel for the insanity, right? And there is plenty of insanity, plenty enough to go around. So let's pause for just a moment. We didn't do a look back at 2021. I mean, here we are on the 4th of January, and we really hadn't talked about a lot of the big things that happened just in a summary way back in 2021. So this New Year's weekend, You may not realize this, but we passed the second year defined by COVID-19 and our pandemic and the global response to it. Compared to 2020, which seems like light years ago, last year was not only deadlier, but much more complicated. Issues like all these variants, vaccine resistance, vaccine efficacy are front and center in everybody's mind now. 
mandatory vaccination went from a conspiracy theory to official policy, and it only took about three months. Increasingly prominent were also legal battles from top to bottom. Every state had a bunch of them. What about government restrictions on the population? With approaches taken by different states further diverging, getting pretty much wrapped in together. Although 2021 started with a big wave of COVID-19 related hospitalizations, there was also an expectation that the pandemic would soon end or at least fade into the background. Vaccination was billed as the ticket to normalcy. Remember that? And initially it looked that way. By mid-June, about 180 million Americans had received at least one dose of one of those three approved vaccines. Even states with the most authoritarian approaches, like New York, had lifted most of their restrictions. But then, that was just a breather, folks. In July, infections started spiking up again rapidly. The virus mutated into a new variant dubbed Delta, which appeared to be less deadly, but much more infectious. Vaccine uptake slowed down. Delta appeared to be somewhat more resistant to it. The solution presented by authorities and the experts was to take yet another shot of a vaccine, and they coined the term that we've all become familiar with, a booster. The virus also showed signs of seasonality, kind of like the flu. You know, in the winter, it pummeled the Northeast, but not so much in the South. In the summer, it reversed. In August, President Biden, plagued at the time by what was widely panned as a botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, well, he had to find something else to get the concentration off of the mass, I don't even know what to call it, wasn't chaos, it was, but all of what he instigated in Afghanistan had to get us thinking about something else. Mandatory vaccination for governor workers, how about doing that? Also for federal contractors, even private employers that have over 100 employees. And just months before that, they were from top to bottom in the Biden administration dismissing the idea of any type of vaccine mandates. Any suggestion that the government could force people to take the vaccine, still in the process of long-term clinical trials, by the way, as it is now still, was even ridiculed by some as conspiracy theory. So I guess maybe we could change Sleepy Joe to Conspiracy Joe because he was one of those who said the government, I, talking about himself, we have no authority to make a vaccination mandated. Well, soon after he changed his tune and made that announcement, some Democrat-heavy states and even cities followed with their own mandates, with New York City spearheading that effort. And then we watched as bit by bit, New York had mandated the shot for government workers for private school staff, private school staff, Most indoor establishment workers and even patrons of gyms, entertainment venues, and even restaurants. To see a movie, to exercise in Manhattan or eat indoors, a New Yorker must now show proof of what they've defined as full vaccination. 
which for now does not include those boosters and also a photo ID. Racist, racist, racist. Outgoing Mayor Bill de Blasio, he added a mandate for all private employers and the state mandated the vaccine for healthcare workers. So here come the legal challenges. Oh my gosh. They've been a max a mixed bag of failures, partial victories. Oftentimes courts block the mandate only to later allow it to go into effect. Challenges to Biden's mandate for private employers are expected to be heard by the Supreme Court pretty quick, too. Another phenomenon associated with that Delta variant was an increase in severe illness, even deaths among children. While back in 2020, about 0.05% of all COVID deaths were kids, the number went up to 0.1% in 2021, according to the CDC, making for a total of 678 deaths nationwide associated with COVID-19. For comparison, they recorded, CDC did, 358 pediatric deaths during the 2009-2010 flu pandemic. So it was about twice as bad. And then here comes Omicron. With winter approaching, about 50 million Americans got booster shots. No big deal, that's what we do, right? If that was to give them a sense of security, though, it was going to be short-lived. Out of South Africa, go figure, a yet new variant capable of widespread transmission came to our attention, and they named it Omicron. There are indications that vaccines and to a lesser extent natural immunity acquired through previous infection, both of those only provide limited resistance to this variant. But on the other hand, the variant appears to be more infectious, but again, less lethal than Delta, with reports of much milder symptoms, far fewer deaths so far. That's nationwide. CDC estimates Omicron comprised about half of our COVID infections in the week ending Christmas Day. Those are model projections, though, as data from its variant surveillance system lags about three weeks. Omicron or not, hospitalizations attributed to COVID have just ramped up in the Northeast. New York Governor Kathy Hochul responded by again requiring people to wear masks in indoor establishments regardless of vaccination or not. Republican-led states have generally gone in the opposite direction, not only not doing, implementing, and enforcing mandates, but sometimes even outlawing mandates. Florida went as far as expressly prohibiting local governments and school districts from imposing mask and vaccine mandates on their staff in their facilities. The state led by Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, also restricted private businesses from vaccine requirements by carving out a number of exemptions, and those including health concerns, prior infection. Florida legislature even authorized the state to ditch the federal OSHA mandate and create its own to preempt Biden's vaccine mandate, which OSHA should enforce. What about the information war? How'd that go last year? (laughs) Most of you listening, you were here a lot last year. 
you know it was wild and crazy. It was like the wild, wild west all over the U.S. A number of revelations regarding what appears to be a lack of honesty, candor. (laughs) I like, they just lied. (laughs) A number of experts and public officials just got popped. It was like every day we caught somebody today that didn't do it yesterday, but today they lied to us. A bunch of documents released under FOIA requests showed that a group of experts, including um, Anthony Fauci, coordinated efforts to discredit the theory that the virus originally escaped from that lab in Wuhan, China. The evidence, in fact, appears to lean in that direction. The evidence, folks, not Fauciisms. The evidence. But Fauci and his crew have a personal stake in hiding those indications as they were involved in financing and or conducting dangerous gain-of-function experiments with coronaviruses at that very same Wuhan Institute of Virology. Fauci, all, all year long, he denied every time he appeared before a congressional committee, we did not fund gain-of-function research My organization, the National Institutes of Health, the CDC, we've never done that. Of course, while they were, while he was consistently making those claims, the stack of evidence that show otherwise just got higher and higher and higher. He's never come out and reversed his story. What he's done on three specific occasions that we've been able to ferret out He actually changed definitions of terminology to try to make everything he said to the American people to not be a lie for it just to be misunderstood. The information tug-of-war around those potential therapeutics expanded last year. In addition to hydroxychloroquine, some doctors also tried off-label prescriptions of ivermectin. In one episode, popular talk show host Joe Rogan was both praised and he was vilified for taking ivermectin upon announcing he tested positive for COVID. He then invited CNN Sanju Gupta, who's the CNN doctor guy. You know who he is. He invited Joe did to come on his show and criticized CNN for claiming he took a horse dewormer when in fact he took the human formulation of ivermectin as was prescribed by his physician. Study results on both hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin remain mixed. Some show improved results in patients under certain conditions, others do not. We've given you firsthand stories here. I'll never forget this one as long as I live. An Asian man, elderly man, admitted to a hospital in Chicago, very, very ill with COVID-19. The hospital did their protocol stuff. I mean, they have a unified, pretty much every hospital in the nation, have a unified protocol that comes out of the CDC of what and how you're supposed to treat inpatient patients when they test positive for COVID-19 at various stages of getting worse. They ran the whole gambit on him. He went into the hospital. They started giving him the normal drugs. 
Then they switch to remdesivir, which is the biggie that Anthony Fauci's been touting from the very beginning. It's a humongously expensive IV drug. And they give it to you over a three to five day period. And every day when you get it, it's a thousand bucks. So you're talking about four or five days. You're talking about $5,000 just for remdesivir. And whenever, according to the hospital protocol, when any uh, patient's pulse ox gets below a certain number, according to protocol, you got to put them on a ventilator. Well, they did that to this Asian man. And then they called the family in after about four or five days and said he's not going to make it. They gave him up for dead. So his daughter came into the country, went to Chicago, and she's kind of uh, educated at treating COVID-19 as a virus. She'd done a bunch of research. And when the hospital that has her dad, when they say there's nothing else to do, he's going to die, period. She said, why don't we try ivermectin? They, they said, absolutely not. That's not going to happen. They kept telling her, we're not going to do it. No doctor would talk to her about it. She went to the CEO of the hospital. Not going to happen here. She went to court got an emergency hearing with a district judge there. The judge sided with her and said, treat the guy. The hospital said, none of our doctors here will use ivermectin. The judge told the daughter, I'm sorry, they don't have a doctor that will do it. And she said, well, I have a doctor that will do it. And the judge ordered that the hospital let her doctor give her father ivermectin. Went back to the hospital the hospital told the judge, we ain't letting him come. (laughs) We're not letting him come because he's not affiliated with our hospital and he has no license to practice here. And so she goes back to the judge. And so the judge finally just said, look guys, we're going to charge you out the wazoo. This is going to be really ugly for you. Let this doctor come give her father ivermectin. Now remember, he'd been given no more time to live. And this was over a four or five day from like Thursday to Tuesday going back and forth with the courts to get to this particular place. The doctor goes in, treats her dad with ivermectin over three days. On the fourth day, he walked out of the hospital. Every case is not like that. There was another one almost exactly the same in North Carolina. We reported on another one in South Carolina. Here's the point, folks. There are so many moving parts to this whole COVID-19 thing. Nobody is willing to put everything in one big pile that proves whatever they're saying. Good, bad, ugly, do this, don't do this. Put it all in a big pile and let us analyze all of the quote-unquote evidence and draw some educated real medical decisions that are not bound by partisanship, by financial, um, anything to do with money, just based solely on the health of Americans and other citizens in the world. Unless we do that, until we do that, we're never going to see the end of this. The Biden's 2021 handling of the pandemic, it's been mixed at best. They managed a smooth rollout of the vaccines. Of course, it was already handed to them 
we published here at Truth News Network the actual manual that was put out in September of the previous year while the preparation of the vaccines were being done. Donald Trump, then president, turned to the military to coordinate a rollout of the vaccines. And they had it put together so that they could, over just a period of days, roll out tens of millions of vaccines to every zip code in the United States. Joe Biden has never acknowledged that. In fact, he and his vice president said very plainly, the Trump administration gave us nothing. (laughs) Besides, they wouldn't admit this, but Trump gave them the vaccines, and then they had this process to roll it out. But that's what Democrats do when they take over a White House from a Republican administration. Gallup reported in November the percentage of adults who are planned to get vaccinated plateaued at 80%. By December 30th, 205 million people were fully vaccinated, meaning two shots of the vaccines that require them. Over 68 million got boosters as well, leaving about 23% of the adult population. A December poll just a few days ago by the Trafalgar Group found that a large majority of American likely voters opposed any new mandates and restrictions regardless of new variants. After months of promises to tackle the pandemic, Biden recently conceded that there is, his words now, quote, no federal solution to it. The year concluded with over 450,000 deaths attributed to COVID-19, 33 million detected infections. That's up 27% and 67% respectively from Donald Trump's last year in office. Joe Biden, the whole time he was campaigning for president, he promised this, quote, I'm going to kill COVID-19. Trump didn't have any vaccines, folks. No American got a vaccine on his watch. They didn't come to us until the month after he left office. And still, 450,000 Americans died of COVID-19. Something's not right. That's all I got to say. Something's not right. So what do we have coming up in this show today after this? Well, we're going to look at a lot of things. Dr. McCullough, Peter McCullough, you've heard him here on TNN Live. He's uh, He's got some great year-ending, New Year-starting information for us. We're going to share that. And there are some um, 180-degree changes happening in the corporate world, also in the government world, about these stringent vaccination mandates. You're not going to believe some of this stuff. I mean, people, it looks like their eyes are finally being opened that this mandate thing ain't working. And it's impacting every single person in the United States of America. There is something in your life. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live, what kind of work you do, what your physical condition is. All of these things are impacting everybody 100%. And we're still not getting any answers. Just got a notification this morning. My brother-in-law, fully vaccinated, got the two shots, got Booster shots, two of them, yesterday diagnosed COVID-19 positive. 
there's just something not right with this. And here we are. We're two years into this. We're in the third year of COVID-19. We still don't know what the heck is going on. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are some mates other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and some mates new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sun-made snacks. Our insurance premiums were killing us. I said to my wife, let's give Father Amco a try. You've known of Amco for many years. This is the first time you've asked for my help. I thought you would be expensive, like all the rest. How much should I pay you? At Amco, we always make an insurance offer you can't refuse. Thank you, Father Amco. Thank you. Amco Insurance. Call us today, 713-777-AUTO. For fast, friendly, and free quote, call Amco Insurance, 713-777-AUTO. With locations all over Houston, Amco Insurance. The number to call, 713-777-AUTO. That's 713-777-2886. Amco Insurance. Call today. At Amco, we appreciate your business. Silence is golden, right? Wow, no bump coming out of that. That's a mistake on our end. Hey, let's just get right to what the experts, the real ones are having. Dr. Peter McCullough, you know who he is. He's known as probably the greatest cardiovascular surgeon on the planet. He was the head of medicine for the entire Baylor medical system. And because he began to talk about not the... uh, vaccines, not the Biden vaccines, but because of outpatient treatments that were outpacing what the politically correct treatments for COVID-19 were, he just he just watched his life totally cancel before his eyes. When he came on the show with us here, he had just been fired as the CEO of Baylor Medical System. Well, he circled back now. And uh, yesterday, he went postal about what this government is not doing, that they should be doing, and evidence justifies they're doing it. Here's what he said. Lots of messaging on the vaccine, but zero mentioning on treatment. None. And it's been from the very beginning. There is a theme here, he said. I hope everyone's starting to get the theme. There is zero effort. Zero interest, zero promotion, zero care about early treatment for COVID. People who are sick with COVID-19, he said. But 
there is a complete and total focus on people who don't have COVID-19 and giving them a vaccine. Now, he's rolled a lot of specialities into his career. He's an internist. As I said, he's a cardiologist, an epidemiologist, and lead author of the first paper on early COVID-19 outpatient treatment involving a multi-drug regimen. In a recent interview for television, he discussed a wide range of evidence on COVID-19 preventative treatments that are being used around the world, but very little of them being used here. Why? Because the experts, the Fauci's, and all of those people are telling us, you can't do that. You don't know what's in these things. We mentioned in our opening segment about ivermectin. I told you about that Asian man in Chicago. Ivermectin saved his life. Do you know in India, in India, also Indonesia, millions of their patients, millions of their residents saw their lives saved because the government mandated ivermectin for their citizens and even passed out ivermectin for them to take in the very early stages. Dr. McCullough said, drug treatments must be prioritized in the effort to stamp out the threat of COVID so early treatment markedly changes the spreads. So we reduce new cases. We reduce the intensity and the severity and the duration of the symptoms. And by that mechanism, we reduce hospitalizations and death. He cited some recent treatments that have worked very well in killing the virus at the early stage of infected. Dr. Mahmoud Chowdhury, remember him? He conducted a protocol in Bangladesh, of all places, that used a povidone iodine rinse in the nose and eyes to kill the virus. Another treatment effort by French doctor Didier Rayault. We've talked about him all the time. Why? Because he treated thousands of people using hydroxychloroquine, met with humongous success. Chowdhury is the first author recognizing the fact that the virus is in the air. People breathe it in. It settles in the nose and it begins to replicate. It has to get to a certain threshold and overcome the other organisms in the nose and overcome our own immune system to become a clinical infection. So that's, there's about a three to five day window to actually zap the virus directly before it gets settled in. Mask and hand sanitizer are illogical, and the data does not show them to be effective means to prevent COVID infections because the virus is spread through the air, not through touch, and it's too small to be blocked by most masks. Dr. McCulloch said COVID creates horrible inflammation. Hydroxychloroquine has been shown to be effective to reduce that. But instead of seeing an increase in using and studying the effectiveness of that drug, it's instead been restricted. And in some countries, doctors can be jailed for using it to treat their patients. In the United States, hydroxychloroquine can only be used in hospitals. Thank God my physician prescribed it for me and for Marianne, and we both used it. Marianne had a really bad case of COVID-19 in the very beginning. 
and uh, he used preventative stuff and the other types of off-shelf treatment, not the hospital protocol treatment, but hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, zinc, and um, a breathing drug, and I can't think of the name of it, very, very effectively. And even though Marianne had a really bad case, I haven't even had a sniffle. Dr. McCullough detailed the events that led to these restrictions, saying that, for one, there is a falsified paper published in Lancet. Lancet's one of the biggest, most recognized, incredible medical magazines. Anyway, a falsified paper, Lancet published it, which claimed to have tens of thousands of patients with COVID-19 hospitalized in multiple centers across the world in their 40s, hospitalized with COVID-19. He said that the supposed study was not verified and claimed the drug had negative health effects. He's talking about hydroxychloroquine. This false study led to medical professionals losing confidence in the drug, after which hospital messaging started to say, listen, don't use hydroxychloroquine. The NIH, National Institutes of Health, pulled the program on a fully funded trial in the midst of our initial wave of COVID-19. And then shortly after that, the FDA put out this statement. Hydroxychloroquine should not be used across the board, period. And then the next drug that went up on the block, ivermectin. Well, the National Institutes of Health was asked what they thought of Dr. McCullough's criticism of their COVID-19 treatment guidelines, their protocol, the NIH. And their spokesperson declined to comment. She said that the NIH relied on a panel of experts to develop the COVID-19 treatment protocol. The FDA said to that reporter, they are committed to speed patient access to medicines to prevent or treat COVID-19, provided they meet the agency's rigorous standards. But they believe the vaccines are the best way to prevent the disease and hospitalization. Remind me to circle back and tell you a little bit about those FDA approval things. McCulloch says along with anti-hydroxychloroquine messaging, The drug ivermectin was also maligned after the AMA, the American Medical Association, gave an opinion against it. So, McCulloch said, Americans saw the most confusing picture of hospitalized care of COVID-19 and a very confusing picture of outpatient treatment of COVID-19. My contributions, he said, at least I tried to organize the outpatient treatment into concepts where we would use drugs in the middle phase, treat inflammation, and in the late phase, treat blood clotting, and we stuck with those principles all the way through. He said it's highly unusual for hospitals to not conduct trials on treatments for a disease. But with COVID-19, no major trials have been done. Can you believe that? Here in the United States, there are no major drug trials underway. He said improving treatments for those who are sick with COVID has never been a priority for those in charge of public health because vaccines have been pushed as the panacea from day one. Get the vaccination, you're going to be fine. Don't get the vaccination, you're going to die. He remembers how CVS pharmacies were advertising the vaccines even before they were fully authorized. 
and they're not fully authorized. You know that. None of the vaccines yet, even though they tell us over and over again the Pfizer vaccine fully approved by the FDA. It's not. BioNTech, Pfizer's vaccination has not been approved by the FDA. It is still in EUA, emergency use authorization form only. Well, why are they kind of shading the truth then, Dan? They're telling us Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is fully approved. There is one that Pfizer made that is fully approved, Comarnity. But guess what? Go on the Pfizer website and Google, where do I buy Comarnity? And an information disclaimer pops up, and they'll tell you Comarnity is not available in the United States of America. No American is getting a fully approved COVID-19 vaccine. That's a story for another day. McCullough said the U.S. media has just about completely blocked out what is going on around the world with treatments for COVID. Anywhere where there has been an early oral drug approach, there has been success in terms of COVID. And now more recently, it was very fascinating, is anywhere where there is any attention to decontamination in the nose and the mouth with direct viriducal viricidal. I don't know how you say that. V-I-R-U-C-I-D-A-L. It's a type of therapy. There have been amazing results. He questions why the U.S. has not reviewed the work being done around the world to treat the disease. We haven't seen panels of collaborating doctors. We've never seen a symposium on local therapy. What works best for the nose? No mention by any public health officials. McCullough says those leading U.S. public health agencies are incompetent. Who's he talking about? Chiefly, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. McCullough suggests there should be a monthly review of new therapies used to treat COVID, both at a national and a global level, for doctors to review and learn from their peers. The idea there's no review, you'd think there would be the WHO would actually assign a task force This is the biggest public health problem, a monthly review of promising therapies. So the treatment, inpatient and outpatient of the biggest illness of our time, after two years, he summed it up and called it an enigma. You can't explain what's going on. You cannot, in normal medical history, you cannot point to a time when any type of disease that has ever come around has been treated in this fashion. And thousands of people have died. We're finding out, even looking back in the very early stages, remember when they were blowing out patients' lungs in New York because they were putting them on ventilators and they were forcing the ventilators on a high, high um, circulation, pressurized situation? They were forcing the patient's blood to go through their lungs too fast. Their lungs weren't able to oxygenate the blood and people were dying from COVID. Nobody talks about that. Nobody even brings it up. And the one doctor that we had on this show that talked about it, he was fired for saying that they caused deaths with these abusive ventilator protocols. There's a whole lot of grossness mistreatment, and I'll even say the M-word, malpractice going on. A lot of folks are in the tank. 
And a lot of folks are dying because these doctors are in the tank. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today. Hashtag hot and modern. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Pass the ball, pass the rock. We're open, just pass the ball. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Long live the courageous. Tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength. To overcome the will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram proven to last. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. We're glued to the facts and we get them every day. We pass those along to you and every once in a while there'll be something big that everybody's talking about and we'll bring it up to you and say, listen, we've not yet been able to factually verify this, but we want you to know here this is out here and we'll give you our opinion of it. But we promise you, and we always do, when we go out and find something that differs from that opinion, we come back and make it clear to you, hey, you know, we were digging, getting all the information about this and we couldn't find it. We told you it was out there. Well, we found out it's not factual. Or we'll tell you we confirmed what had been out there is kind of in a mystery status. Why is that? There's so much confusion. There's so much misunderstanding, and I'm sad to say it, but purposeful falsification of a lot of things the so-called experts are telling us we're literally living in life and death situations because of information we're getting. I don't know of a time in American history where that's ever been true before. Before we move on, I want to remind you, if you weren't here at the beginning of the show, Thursday is the one-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. One of our friends, somebody from this city, a journalist, fellow journalist named Steve Baker, was there. 
I saw him. He's a he's a journalist, but he's a, a great photographer. And he went up there expressly to catalog by video all the things that were happening. He was caught up in the middle of it. I saw him on Fox News a couple of times where he was standing there, even talked to and asked questions by a Fox News reporter. Well, he's found himself at uh, the center of a target by the Department of Justice. Steve's going to come on the air live with us Thursday morning, and uh, he's been vindicated, vindicated by all people. You're not going to believe this by information that Newsweek, is it Newsweek or Time Magazine? One of the two published a story over the holidays. He'll tell us all about it, but vindicated his message that he put out about all of the things that he witnessed firsthand a year ago. So you don't want to miss especially the first hour of Thursday's show. Steve Baker is going to be here with firsthand information. Now let's circle back real quickly. I told you there was some very surprising news going on about mandates in government work and also in private work. Listen to this. United Airlines, they're very quietly now allowing unvaccinated London-based flight attendants to work alongside vaccinated American staff. And you know why they're doing it. Follow the money. Staffing shortages. United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby, he put roughly 2,000 unvaxxed U.S.-based employees of United who obtained religious and medical accommodations on unpaid leave in the name of safety for United Airlines. That number, the nearly 2,000, includes approximately 900 flight attendants. Hmm. They're undergoing an audit to confirm the exact numbers of United employees placed on unpaid leave and their positions in the company, we're told. Unlike other big airlines, United Airlines' vaccine mandate is devoid of any testing option. It stripped employees on unpaid leave of the benefits that they were getting and has them reportedly struggling to find work due to a non-compete clause. Do you smell some conflicts in that very statement. I don't want you to work for me because you won't be vaccinated, but I don't want you to go to work for, you know, American or Delta Airlines. No compete clause. The United Mandate is the subject of an ongoing class action lawsuit brought by six United Airlines employees saying that it violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 Also, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. One news agency was able to obtain several schedule logs that showed that London-based flight attendants scheduled to fly with Newark-based crew in late December and this year already. London-based United Airlines employees are not subject to Kirby's vaccine mandate meaning that some could potentially be unvaccinated against COVID-19. A spokesperson said that United Airlines never previously mixed vaccinated, unvaccinated, or London with the U.S. vaccinated employees, but noted that Kirby apparently does not have the same authority to make rules for employees under the jurisdiction of foreign governments. Now they're just plain shorthanded. 
they can't keep those people isolated either, so they're just mixing them up with crew back and forth across the pond. Well, here comes Omicron. (laughs) Omicron sending health officials into a tizzy airlines have canceled thousands of flights, grounded hundreds of planes due to an ongoing pilot shortage, and staffing issues. United Airlines is no different. They've canceled hundreds of flights before and after Christmas. And the spike in Omicron cases, you can bet that's had a direct impact on United flight crews and the people who run their ground operations. As a result, United has had to cancel some flights and are notifying impacted customers in advance of them coming to the airport. But instead of calling back unvaccinated American staff currently on unpaid leave, United reportedly decided to outsource the work to foreigners who might also be unvaccinated. Now, what the heck is that about? So it's looking more and more obvious that the CEO, Kirby, is willing to inconvenience you in an effort to coerce us to surrender our bodies or our faith for his hollow marketing ploy, and it's backfired. This is one of those employees that's part of that class action suit talking. Over the past week, our coworkers are falling ill by the hundreds. United predicted this, sending multiple memos begging for overtime flight crews. Yet, while United pleads for more employees to step up to help, The 2,000 of us are just sitting here at home, willing and eager to serve United Airlines passengers or go get another job, which we can't do either. It's kind of interesting how this is all coming back. It goes full circle, folks. Quid pro quo, what you do is going to impact others, and in a big circle there, it will always come back to you. And that's happening with United Airlines. And we talked about government mandates. Well, after implementing a COVID mandate for healthcare workers this fall, the state of Rhode Island, of all places, has now opened an option for COVID positive healthcare workers to continue working if their facility is facing a staffing crisis. You know, I would think that if I was Joe Biden, who put out this mandate, healthcare workers. I would look at this and say, you know what? We can't just arbitrarily mandate that nobody can work anywhere unless they're vaccinated. There are going to be a lot of people that say no. And some of these services, I mean, healthcare workers, come on, folks. We need those people on the job. Facility administrators should be using their clinical judgment rather than their political perspective in making staffing decisions. For example, a facility may opt for a COVID-19 positive worker to only care for COVID-19 positive patients. Duh! (laughs) A memo was sent to employees of state-run Eleanor Slater Hospital in Rhode Island Friday that explained that those who are exposed or have a positive COVID test but they're asymptomatic, not having any symptoms whatsoever, they can continue reporting to work in crisis situations for staffing if they wear N95 masks. 
The memo came after Rhode Island updated its isolation and quarantine guidelines last month to reflect the CDC's updated guidance, which changes by the minute, by the way. For the general public, the updated guidance, which shortens isolation and quarantine period in some instances, is reflective of science that indicates that most most SARS-CoV-2 transmission occurs early in the course of illness. Workers at other hospitals and skilled nursing homes in the state who are mildly symptomatic can also continue working if the facilities are facing staffing crises. That's according to the Rhode Island Department of Health. Any hospital that needs to activate crisis staffing mode needs to notify the state Department of Health. So much for the mandates, but we're not through. Did you hear overnight? A federal district judge granted a preliminary injunction yesterday late against the enforcement of the Department of Defense's COVID-19 vaccine mandate against specifically United States Navy SEALs. 35 Navy Special Warfare Service members sued Joe Biden in November, stating that his directive for them to get vaccinated or face possible court-martial or involuntary separation violates their First Amendment right to religious liberty and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. This judge, named Reed O'Connor, he's in Texas. He noted in his order that RF. RA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, specifically provides the government may substantially burden a person's exercise of religion only if it demonstrates that application of the burden to the person. One, is in furtherance of a compelling governmental interest, and two, is the least restrictive means of furthering that compelling governmental interest. Judge O'Connor who, by the way, is an appointee of former President George W. Bush, he determined that the vaccine mandate burdens the SEALs substantially, burdens their religious beliefs, and the government has not shown requiring them to be vaccinated is the least restrictive means for furthering its interest of a healthy fighting force. By all accounts, plaintiffs have safely carried out their jobs during the pandemic Prior to the vaccine mandate, at least six plaintiffs conducted large-scale trainings and led courses with no incident, he wrote. We'll keep our eye on that. Even if defendants have a broad, compelling interest in widespread vaccination of its force, they have achieved this goal without the participation of the 35 plaintiffs in the case. Why do we have to go down this path? There is no way that this, any of this needed to happen. In the past, folks, there have been a lot of actions taken by governments. I'm talking about our United States government's administrations going back decades in which the politicos, when they saw something they wanted to do, especially when it applies to the health care of every American, however many, whoever there were that were alive at the time of these things. And you know what they've always done until this one? They worked hand-in-hand with the citizens. 
the government never acted like or very seldom acted like they had unilateral power to just push out whatever they wanted, say whatever they wanted, and make Americans abide whatever they said they wanted, and you got to shut down, shut up, and just listen to us and do what we tell you. That's never happened like we're watching happen now. And if you look over your shoulder, look in your rearview mirror, and look at your 2021 year, look at how much of all of this chaos, this noise, this disruption changed your life, and you can't go back. None of us can go back and reclaim 2021 and make any changes. It's in the book. It's done, folks. 2021 is going to go down as a very historical year that didn't have to be what it was. But the reason it was was because people in Washington, D.C. decided it was okay now using COVID-19 as the excuse to grab total control of the lives of every, every American and tell us all exactly what to do, how to do it, and what not to do, and don't you dare do it if we say you can't. Now, we've talked in the past here extensively about the differences between equality that our forefathers made very clear their establishment of our government and our Constitution was based upon equality for everybody. The cancel culture folks came up with the 2021 and now 2022 version of equality, the very own, that has nothing to do with equality. They're calling it equity. Equity. Now, in the context of what we're talking about, equity, the difference between that word and equality is equality is not provided by any person or persons to anybody. Equality is a given to the people thing by our creators. In other words, no government has any say-so about equality. The reason for trying very quietly but still trying to replace the word equality with equity is this. People determine what equity is. It's not factual. It's opinion. So in the context of what we're talking here, Equity is up in arms again now. New York COVID health guidelines, according to the equity purveyors, are openly racist. Listen to this. One of the hallmarks of this woke progressive identitarianism or the simultaneous beliefs that systemic racism is ubiquitous. In other words, sometimes the solution to racism Racism is actually different racism. This is the big part. It's it's right in the middle. It consumes the concept of equity. Mere equality isn't good enough anymore. Justice-minded discrimination is deemed necessary, and now they're saying it's even essential. We've got to use it because a lot of people are racist, and so we've got to counter their racism with racism, a different version. Justice-minded discrimination is deemed necessary and even essential. If we think it's good, we're going to do it, no matter what you think, and no matter what the reality of it is. 
That's precisely what gets us in this sort of twisted, amoral, explicitly racialized public policy. It's not as bad as a Cuomo administration's nursing homes fiasco. But this is, in New York especially, a deeply perverse way to make decisions. And yet, it's what New York has implemented, folks. And it's not the first time public officials have infused pandemic policies with racial considerations. You remember in Chicago early last year, came on the heels of other similar moves elsewhere. Meanwhile, the Empire State's new governor, Governor Hoschel, who has insisted on keeping masks on young kids with no basis in science, insists that mitigation measures can control Omicron. In other words, let's get racist, and we're going to tackle Omicron with our very own racism. How? (laughs) Nobody is buying in for that. Explain how masking children at school, for example, is going to stop the spread of the variant that does this. All 25 researchers were fully vaccinated and one had a booster. They all took multiple PCR tests and despite negative tests, still quarantined for 10 days and they got it anyway. This is happening all over, folks. I told you earlier, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, both of them vaccinated, got both shots, both got boosters, and after that, my brother-in-law comes up COVID-19 positive. Here's a topic medical expert conceding that commonly used masks are basically worthless against Omicron. At this stage of the pandemic, cloth masks don't provide protection against COVID-19, according to Scott Godlieb, the new mayor of New York City. He's making sure, making sure that no one confuses his public statements with the last guys, de Blasio for reasons explained on CNN's New Year Eve coverage of all places. Mayor Eric Adams, New York City Mayor, January 1, 2022, five minutes after midnight, Andy tears into Bill de Blasio. Wow. All of this equity stuff, it's not about equality. It's about people ignoring the will of the people and forcing, finding some type of power, either real or perceived, to push these massive things down the throats of free people. That's us. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Why is it getting worse? Because nobody, not enough, bodies are pushing back against it. So we've got Omicron going on. Oh my gosh, it's tearing across the nation. Let me give you an example about how this uh, Omicron stuff is just lighting the fire of racism and top-down totalitarianism being okay. The White House Correspondents Association. These are a group of people that obviously number among the White House-approved correspondents that are at all these press briefings and interview staffers and the president. They're the ones in the White House briefing room. They felt it was incumbent upon themselves to um, take and make changes 
in the number of reporters in the White House briefing room. So they're going to limit the number of themselves that can go to these press briefings. This whole thing came in response to the recent surge in COVID-19 Omicron variant cases across the country and in Washington, D.C. Here's the statement. Given the virulence of the spread, medical experts have once again advised it would be prudent to substantially reduce the number of people working in the cramped, poorly ventilated workspace that we share. That comes from that association's president, Steve Portnoy. The organization's board voted unanimously to go back to the decreased seating that had been in place throughout the pandemic, allowing only 14 seats out of 49 in the room to be used. They say their primary objective is ensuring that we are able to hold the administration accountable to the public while preventing an outbreak that might limit our ability to cover the president in close quarters. Requests for virtual briefings um, amid the hysteria over the Omicron variant were not entertained at all by the Biden administration. That's according to the Washington Post. Why do you think that is? I mean, they're forcing virtual everything pretty much across the nation. Why wouldn't they do that for themselves in their own White House? The White House Correspondents Association has arranged for day-to-day interviews at Zoom or another online platform to avoid face-to-face contact in a smaller White House room. This is reported by the Washington Post. The association worries that journalists are at high risk of contracting the Omicron virus or transmitting it to others when they gather in a 49-seat room orientation room or small space behind them. The association announcement on Sunday's vote to reduce capacity in the briefing room was met with some wild derision on social media. Joe Gabriel Simonson, he tweeted this, media doesn't want to go to work, sad. Mark Weiss, another, for a room in which each person is vaccinated and I believe had to test negative at the door to enter, if that doesn't tell you what they really think of the vaccines and tests, nothing will. John Fund said this, how convenient this is one way to make sure pesky reporters from non-major news outlets don't ask annoying questions. The spectator's Amber Athey explained in several tweets noting that the White House press corps is 99% vaccinated. When the White House Association first limited briefing attendance during the pandemic, there was at least one rotating seat available to accommodate all members. Now the briefing room appears to be limited to only outlets with a previously assigned seat. Previously, the association sought to accommodate these members during the pandemic by giving them a seat to take turns in. The seat does not extend this time. She's upset. Joseph Ewing, another one. Hmm, wonder who they'll exclude. (laughs) Nothing to do with vaccines. It's about controlling the daily avalanche of bad information from tumbling over the incompetent regime. The pandemic and vaccines are merely cover. Wow. We're an hour and 20 minutes into the show today, and we're still on COVID-19. Isn't it 
unsettling to you that we're covering this stuff because it's out there. News is coming out there. Things that are important to all of us on a daily basis, not weekly, not monthly, but every day they move the goalpost. They give us new guidance. They tell us what today's faux pas are and what's the big horrible thing that you're doing that you're not supposed to be doing. And we're just tiptoeing, trying to be and do the right things. And we're finding out all the time, they don't care what you think. They don't care what I think. It's not about us. It's about the power and control in Washington, D.C. that makes their world be what they want it to be. They don't really give a rip about what you or I say. And I got to be honest with you. I, for one, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. I am tired of being told how to think. People that are not smarter than me. How do I know that? I can look at the way they live publicly. They're not smart if they're continuing to do themselves what they're doing and telling us to do what many of us have been doing and none of it's worked. And people are getting sick and people are dying. I'm done, folks. There's what you hear. There's the official story. Then there's the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. And now, Mr. Robert Goulet reads from The Writings of Bart, the collected after-school blackboard writings of young Bart Simpson. Mr. Goulet. I will not trade pants with others. I will not do that thing with my tongue. I will not Xerox my butt. A burp is not an answer. I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. I will not eat things for money. I will not bring sheep to class. I will not instigate revolution. My name is not Dr. Death. To experience all of Bart's blackboard writings, watch every classic episode of The Simpsons. I will not call the principal Spudhead. The Simpsons, now five times a week. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. George Orwell said freedom is the right to tell someone what they don't want to hear. Today, that's called the truth. At truthnewsnet.org. Here's Dan Newman. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get all that. Thank you, Pete. Well, well, well. Guess who has announced they are running for re-election in the United States Congress? I know this will shock you. This will blow your mind. But Adam Schiff, California Democrat, member of the U.S. House of Representatives, Mr. Honesty, 
Mr. Integrity, Mr. I know more about anything and everything than you do. It doesn't matter to him who you are. He knows. And I want you to listen to this bastion of integrity as he lays out his basis for running for re-election. He's speaking to his constituents in a newly formed congressional district in the state of California. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome please, Adam Schiff. Hello, I'm Adam Schiff, and I'm running for re-election to Congress. I wanted you to hear it from me first. Of course, I'm talking about California's new 30th Congressional District. And I want to tell you why I'm running. I'm running to make real progress on the big policy issues that make an impact on people's daily lives that my constituents sent me to Washington to tackle. Ending the pandemic, making the economy work for everyone, making healthcare universal, fighting climate change, lowering living costs and helping bottom lines, and local priorities like ensuring that everyone has a roof over their head, preserving open space for generations to come and investing in new, greener infrastructure and mass transit. We've seen some amazing progress in 2021. We passed a relief package that cut child poverty in half. We passed a bipartisan infrastructure package that will bring a substantial investment in our roads, bridges, transit, and airports, as well as cleaner water and air. And the House passed a critical measure to lower prescription drug costs, provide family leave, help lower childcare costs, and fight climate change but there is so much more to be done. Our democracy is under assault. Each day, the headlines signal a new threat, whether it's coming from the former disgraced president, Republicans in Congress who are still in his thrall, or GOP leaders in state houses across the country waging a new and coordinated attack. They are assaulting voting rights and are still spreading the big lie in new, creative and destructive ways. Their authoritarian quest for power is undoubtedly tearing at the fabric of our democracy. But there is something we can and must do this year, even as we fight to protect my seat and Democratic seats around the country. Protect the right to vote. The right to vote is fundamental, the right on which all others rest. And if we don't protect it and build back our democracy after the last four years, we may not recognize what it looks like in four more. That's what drives me. That's what I'll keep fighting for, our democracy. Our job isn't finished. My job in Congress isn't finished, not by a long shot. So that's why I'm running for re-election, to get things done and to protect our republic. And I'd be so grateful to have your support along the way. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I gotta be honest with you. After that, I wish... I lived in California in that district so that I could vote for Adam Schiff for re-election. I mean, he's the only one I know that is out there really pushing for only the good things for the goodness of the United States of America and every person that lives in it. If you believe that... Let me tell you who Adam Schiff is. He's the most, without question, the most dishonest member of the United States House of Representatives. I have no idea how he has not been put in jail 
for much of what he's done in the way of violating in felony manners classified information distribution without having authorization to do so over and over and over again. He serves on this January 6th committee and they put out information. They released national news stories that were untrue and they came from communications that had been edited by Adam Schiff to say exactly opposite of what the original information had been. It took others on the outside going to court to get access to those communications to be able to verify. Once again, nobody should be surprised. Adam Schiff lied. And he wants to be anointed as the guy, the guy from California who wants to make sure we do everything to save our republic. That's what I'm all about. While he is out there violating federal laws himself again and again, refusing to enforce the federal laws that his fellow members of Congress passed into law over years, he doesn't want to hold any of those in the Department of Justice accountable who are refusing to do that which is a violation of their constitutional oaths of office. Sadly, folks, there are millions of Americans out there that hear that, and they think, wow, what a great guy. Wish I could vote for him. If I lived in California in his district, I certainly would. He is the epitome of what Donald Trump talked about when he revealed to us all Five years ago, six years ago, during the campaign and for the 2016 presidency, just how deep, how pervasive and evil is the swamp in Washington, D.C. And all those critters that live in that swamp, chief among them, Adam Schiff. I don't know if you were with us, but two years ago we played for you a fake Russian radio morning show, they got in touch with Adam Schiff on the telephone, Russian accents, and they broadcast this telephone call with Congressman Adam Schiff on their morning radio show, and they called, and he took the call and talked to them about information and proof that they had that Donald Trump had slept with and had Russian prostitutes in his hotel room with him when he was in private business and in Russia, in Moscow, for business. It went on for like seven or eight minutes. We played it here for you several times. In fact, i tell you what, when we do our next break, I'm going to go grab it when we come out of that break. I want you to hear who this guy really is, the guy that just told you, hey, I'm waving my flag I'm the guy. I want to save this nation. And if you'll reelect me, we can together do just that. And speaking of those guys, those people in Washington that they trample all over constitutional law, what about Joe Biden? What about President Biden? What about his oath of office to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States of America? the rule of law, all the laws that even he was a part of passing 
all those 40 years that he spent in the United States Senate. He doesn't want them in force now. In fact, he's telling his people in down at the southern border to ignore them all and just wave all of these illegal immigrants into the United States because why? They got to shore up the D- Democrat Party. They can't do it from within. They can't sell their goods sufficient number to American voters for them to support the Democrat Party. So we got to bring in and we've got to finance and we've got to build a life for these illegals and make sure they know they're obligated to the Democrat Party for the entirety of their lives. You got to vote blue every time. So listen to what's happening down south right now this morning. President Biden's deputies are boasting about their efforts to fast track more foreigners coming into our country illegally and taking Americans' job, taking over American society, and by the way, they won't mention this, but the voting booths as well. I'm immensely proud of the USCIS workforce for enacting numerous operational and policy changes in response to executive orders from the Biden-Harris administration. That's a statement from the director of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Agency within Alejandro Mayorkas' Department of Homeland Security. This agency, what they do, folks, they process foreigners' requests for work permits, for green cards, and, of course, the panacea of all, citizenship. The agency helps people overseas for U.S. jobs. It helps migrants who illegally sneak over the border. It helps migrants who are released into the U.S. by Mayorkas' customs and border officials. From October of 2020 to the end of September, this past September, according to this director, the agency provided citizenship to 855,000 migrants and rewarded 172,000 people, others, with green cards for taking jobs needed by Americans. The immigration system is an engine of American strength, he claimed, promising in the upcoming year we will continue to serve the foreign public with compassion and reflect America's promise as a nation of welcome and possibilities for all. That phrase, a nation of welcome, is increasingly being used by leftists instead of the unpopular nation of immigrants demand first pushed during the Cold War. So this push by Biden's deputies to get more migrants into U.S. society, it comes after former President Trump decided in 2020 to largely end the federal government's economic policy of extracting migrants from foreign countries. Under Trump, the annual inflow of visa workers, job-seeking students, temporary workers, and legal immigrants dropped by 1 million from 1.6 million in 2017 to under 600,000 in 2021. That's according to the recent, the most recent U.S. Census Bureau. Now, what happened there? Did you get what those numbers mean? They gave away these work visas and this legal status. It went down 
by 1 million people in one year, from 1.6 million in 2017 to under 600,000 in 2021. What happened? What happened in the last year of the Trump presidency is a direct result of this. More people in the United States, more Americans were working throughout the entire year in dramatic numbers than had ever been part of the workforce in the history of the nation. Do you think that just happened by accident? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Illegals were not jumping to the front of the line in these quests to get Americans' jobs because they were more qualified. They were pushed to the front of the line by organizations like this one we're referencing today by their contacts at who controlled the front of the line and were therefore, because they're willing to work less, for less, work longer hours, these big companies, they were foaming at the mouth to get these workers to work for them, but Americans were put out of jobs. In the tens of thousands, nobody talks about that. Folks, during the Trump administration, for the first time in American history, African Americans were employed at greater numbers than ever before. Black women, more black women were employed than ever before. More women were employed than ever before. More people were employed than ever before. And this president has very purposely reversed those policies, one after another. The Trump reform that he did, it burst the cheap labor bubble that allowed investors to get rich quick. How? By creating many low-wage companies and jobs during the three decades after Congress spiked migration. It started way back in 1990. Numerous groups, including J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they have credited Trump's reduced labor supply for boosting Americans' wages and forcing greater investment in labor-saving technology. We had a businessman running the country. We had a businessman that was speaking to business leaders. You know the ones that operate these big companies? The ones that establish new companies, small companies. But the small companies in mass, when pulled together, were driving the labor force and the employment policies and those numbers across the board in the nation. We saw success. We saw results. And now, we can't even get people to go to work. Why is that? Somebody's doing it. I mean, the agriculture industry is the one where all of these jobs are targeted by these illegals that come into the nation. They get those jobs. Why? Those big agriculture companies, they're looking for ways to have people in the fields working without having to pay them the kind of money that they have to pay legal workers. If somebody's not in the system, they don't even have a social security number, they're getting paid by cash, these big companies aren't having to pay matching social security, matching Medicare. They're not withholding federal income tax from these workers' paychecks. They're ghosts. 
And so where does all this money go? It goes into the pockets of the people that own these big companies and, of course, in the pockets of the politicians that support their policies and enact these laws and these policies to make it okay to flood the nation with immigrants that are going to take the jobs away from legal citizens of the United States. It's happening again and again and again. And it gets worse. It's not just Democrats, folks. Republicans, politicians, are also asking the federal government to help reinflate the government-created cheap labor bubble that Donald Trump popped. Just as employers have begun offering higher wages just to get Americans back to work. Due to ongoing workforce shortages, our country continues to face. American farmers continue to utilize those H-2A guest workers visa program. 35 legislators said this in a letter sent to the Department of State and the Department of Homeland Security, which is headed by the pro-migration zealot Alejandro Mayorkas himself. But federal travels curbs against the new Omicron epidemic has stranded 7,000 South African seasonal workers. These legislators said, they added this, without an exemption to the recently imposed travel restrictions, South African H-2A workers' absences will limit the ability of American farmers to continue production of food, fuel, and fiber for our nation during this critical time. South Africa, does that ring a bell? Joe Biden, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he put a travel ban on anybody coming out of South Africa to the United States. Boom, you can't come. Days later, he lifted it. Now, what was in the process of happening when this travel ban was in place? All these big companies, all these big contributors to both these Republican and Democrat politicians (laughs) they were having a tough time getting workers because they liked what they had been paying these South African seasonal workers because they could get maybe more hours of work out of these people, maybe could get lower wages out of these people. And instead of going out and paying Americans a real good wage to do the work, they started beating on the doors of their Democrat and Republican representatives in the U.S. Congress who got to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden said, hey, 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 we're just days into this. Omicron is still just as deadly. It's infecting everybody, but we're not going to worry about these guys and women coming from South Africa. Y'all come on back. We made a mistake. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. I'm going to take this break. While we're away in this break, I'm going to see if I can find that Adam Schiff radio call. You're not going to believe this. Sit tight. Back after this. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. 
the Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. Quityes.org. Meet Phil Sklar, co-founder of the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum. Our dream is to make Milwaukee, Wisconsin the bobblehead capital of the world. At American Family Insurance, we believe your dreams are the most valuable things you will ever own. So today, we're supporting Phil's dream. If people would like to be a part of the bobblehead dream, we take donations in money or bobbleheads. Every dream deserves a champion. Find yours at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its affiliates. 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53783. What does it feel like to drive a cloud? What does it feel like to steer a river? What does it smell like to smell a mountain? At Jubilee, we're committed to letting you do the impossible. And now we've succeeded in letting you drive the undrivable. The Jubilee Dementia. The car engineers said shouldn't be made. Test drive one today and experience what scientists for decades claimed was beyond the realm of safe driving. Jubilee. Be reasonable or be fast. Coffee. Fuel of the modern economy. The age-old Italian tradition of burning beans and drinking the bitter bean juice. At Burn Bean Coffee, our environment is perfect for all of your work needs. There's no better place to be distracted than the burned bean coffee shop and cafe. Our coffee technicians are trained to make a variety of coffees and sugary coffee-themed drinks just as you like it. All while generally making more noise than anyone could reasonably ignore. So drink up and let the productivity flow. Sippy sip, coffee fans. Burned bean coffee. Get it while it's hot. And, Due to and recent court actions, we are required to warn against the drinking of hot coffee. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. I knew I could find it. <laughs> We're in our last 15 minutes of today's show, and um, I want I want to end this show. Well, we're not going to end it with this, because I think this is only four or five minutes long. But I wanted you to be able to laugh. Laugh about something that is laughable and a laugh about one of those people that think they are God's gift to the American people. Regarding everything to do with politics. Who is that? It's Adam Schiff, of course. And here he is. Let me just set this up. This is a Russian comedian's prank phone call to Adam Schiff. And it was regarding information that they had that they were willing to turn over to the FBI that proved that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians. So listen to this. I just gave you the, this is raw telephone conversation between Adam Schiff and who he thought were some very connected intelligence Russian agents that are willing to give bad information about Donald Trump. Hi. All right. I'm going to put Mr. Schiff on the phone, and then I guess are you going to transfer him to Mr. Parubi? Yes, of course. Great. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Hello, Mr. Schiff. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, Chairman. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you. I know that you work for investigation regarding Trump and Russian government. Yes. We know some important information about that. Uh, and that, uh, that uh, is documented as well in materials you want to provide to us? Yes. Could I explain you where we are? 
Yes, of course. But, you know, again, I would just caution that uh, uh, our Russian friends may be listening to the conversation, so I wouldn't share anything over the phone that you don't want them to hear. No, I don't think that it will impact on our investigation. Yes. Well, uh, please, go ahead then. In November 2013, Mr. Trump visited Moscow. He visited uh, competition Miss Universe, and there he met uh, with Russian journalist and celebrity Ksenia Sobchak. I'm sorry, can you explain that again? While he was in Moscow in November 2013, he met with a, a journalist and, and... Well, she's poor journalist. But anyway, uh, she became famous because of uh, Putin is her godfather. Okay, Putin is godfather. Okay. She also known as a person who provided uh, uh, girls for escort for oligarchs. And she met with Trump and she brought him one hour Russian girl, celebrity Olga Buzova, who also known as a person with a strange reputation. Olga, and, and how do you spell her name? Olga Buzova. Buzova. Um, so yes. Olga Buzova is a uh, friend of the, uh, the reporter Sovchek? Yes, she's a friend of reporter and I think the special agent of Russian Secret Service, Ksenia Sobchak. Um, that Sobchak is or Olga is? No, Sobchak is Ksenia. Okay, and so Buzova met with Trump uh, in, in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes. pageant? Absolutely, and she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay. And, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the, the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. And uh, we also know who was a mediator between Trump and Russian government, who met with uh, ex-advisor of Trump, uh, Mr. Flynn. It was a Russian singer, very famous singer, Arkady Ukupnik, who met with Mr. Flynn on uh, Brighton Beach in Brooklyn in a special uh, Russian cafe, Langeron. What's the name of the cafe? Uh, uh, Langeron. Langeron? Yes, it's on the Brighton Beach. Okay, and it's uh, a special. When, when it's a Russian district in uh, Brooklyn. And do you know what was discussed? They discussed many things, but the most interesting thing is they use a special. They use the special password uh, before before their meetings. When they met each other, they said, "Weather is good on Deribasovska." Weather it rains is good. Yeah. In where? 
Weather is good on Jerry Basovska. There is a name of a street in Odessa. Did you did you hear? Yes, I did. Uh, so it's a street in Odessa. Uh, yes. And the, the code word is weather is good on Zerobasta. Zerobasovskaya. Zerobasovskaya. Skaya. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'll have my staff follow up to get spellings and and more details on. Yes. That. And the second part of their best word was uh, it rains again on Brighton Beach. It rains again on Brighton Beach. Yes. On that meeting, Ukupnik told Flynn that uh, all those compromising materials will never be released if uh, Trump will cancel all Russian sanctions. Okay. Um, well, obviously, we would uh, welcome a chance to get copies of those recordings. Um, so we will try to work with the FBI to figure out, uh, along with your staff, how we can obtain copies of those. Of course, we will provide you all our copies of all our materials, but I also would like to let you know that Sobchak and Buzova will pretty soon visit our country, and we could read them and deliver them to your embassy, and you also could, we also could extradite them to your country, and you can put them to your special jail, Guantanamo. Uh, well, I'll be in touch with the FBI about this, and uh, and we'll make arrangements with your staff. I think it probably would be best to provide uh, these materials uh, to uh, both our committee and to the FBI. Um, and so we'll make arrangements uh, uh, between my staff and yours uh, on how to facilitate that. And I'll, we'll also obviously net, let, let the FBI know about uh, Buseva and Sovchek's planned travel to Ukraine. I also advise you to check all Sobchak's uh, visits in the U.S. because she were, she was in, U in the U.S. very often and so just to check what she did there, actually. And I also would like to look at uh, Russian cafe in Bri on Brighton Beach, Langeron, and especially on the head of Russian mafia, Uncle Misha. Uncle Misha? And yes. he's in Brighton Beach? Yes, he's head of uh, Russian mafia, and he's located on uh, re on that uh, restaurant on uh, Brighton Beach. Okay. I just want to advise you just uh, look at them, please. Alrighty. Uh, good. This is uh, very helpful. I appreciate it. Anything else you wanted to uh, to add today? Well, I hope that my information will, will be useful for you and your committee, and I also would like to advise you, when you or your colleagues will meet Mr. Trump, I advise you to tell him the uh, first part of the password on the weather is good on Deribasovska, and look how his uh, face will change the color. Uh, and, and so that, that uh, those uh, passwords were used with, uh, with Mr. Trump? Yes, correct. Um, okay. Well, uh, thank you very much. We will be back in touch uh, with you through our staff uh, to make uh, arrangements uh, to obtain these materials for our committee and, and for the FBI, and, and I appreciate your reaching out to us. Well, let's be in touch, and I will wait for your response from FBI. Excellent. I'll, I'll have them follow up uh, as soon as possible, and I thank you again. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So th this is a congressman who is a head of a very, very powerful committee in the United States House of Representatives.
And of course, he's been the sworn enemy of Donald Trump far before Donald Trump even decided that uh, he was going to run for president because they don't want a true, free-thinking, positive, conservative anybody to serve in the White House. It doesn't feed their narrative. And because of that, they can't afford to let that happen. So, this was a obviously a fake conversation. Those guys were actually on a morning show, and that that very same sound that you just heard was live on their radio station. What a laughing stock Adam Schiff became after that. But put it in the context of how Adam Schiff has operated. Remember, he maintained from the very beginning of the Russia collusion probe that there is, I'm quoting, uncontroverted evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin and the Russians to beat Hillary Clinton in the 2016 presidential election. And he maintained that for the entirety of the Trump administration. Do you know he still maintains that he has evidence that proves that Donald Trump colluded with Russian. Not just Donald, but Donald Jr. and also other members of the Trump campaign. They were in the tank for Russia, with Russia. And that somehow, some way, the Trump administration found a way to use Russia, information, evidence, whatever, to beat Hillary Clinton and keep her from being president. No proof, no evidence. The Mueller investigation, 20 hardcore left Democrat attorneys that work for Mueller, hundreds of interviews, hundreds of thousands of pages of evidence. None of it showed any collusion at all between the the, uh, Trump campaign, anybody in the Trump family, nobody. There was no collusion, and still to this day, Adam Schiff maintains there is still evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Russia to beat Hillary Clinton. Thank you for being here today, folks. I want you to have a great Tuesday. Don't forget, Steve Baker joins us Thursday. We're back here in the morning at 9 a.m. Look at us, baby, up all night, tearing our love. same to people who live through years in the dark oh every time i try to walk away something makes me turn around and stay and i can't tell you Stay right, boy. I get low.